Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. 14 and reading through 21. The title of the message this morning is Forgiveness. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father, after he had buried his father. And when Joseph, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. Now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. Joseph went, and Joseph wept when he spake unto them. His brethren also went and fell down before his face. They said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you... Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them, and spake kindly unto them. One of the more familiar passages of Scripture in all the Old Testament deals with the life of Joseph. You remember how that Jacob had a whole house full of boys, 12 of them to be specific. Two of them were his favorites, one most especially whom we know as Joseph was his very special son because he was the firstborn of his very special wife. And for this boy, as he grew up, he gave him a very special coat made out of many different colors. And I suppose Jacob, being like most boys who are a bit spoiled, lorded it over his older brethren. He was a dreamer, and didn't mind telling his brothers what he dreamed with the suggestion that God was going to do some things in their lives that the brothers did not like. (coughs) The occasion came, to shorten the story as much as possible, that while his older brothers were out tending the flocks, his father instructed Joseph to go out and see about them, and he wore his fine coat. 
and went out to find his brothers. And when they saw him coming in the distance, they connived together that they were going to get this boy once and for all. They were not going to have him lorded over them all their life. And so they put him in a pit when he came to them. And then they saw a caravan going through the country headed for Egypt. And so they said, instead of killing this boy, we'll just sell him as a slave to Egypt. And they did that, but they kept his coat and dipped it in the blood of an animal and tore it to shreds so that when they would go home, they could show the coat to their father and say, is not this the coat that belonged to your son? And the emphasis was that some wild animal had killed this boy. And here's the evidence. So that's the end, it would appear, to a brother that had been a thorn in their flesh for many years. Then the day comes that there is a famine in their homeland. Their father sends these boys down to Egypt that they might buy some grain, bring it back. And there they meet the second in command of all Egypt, not knowing that their brother Joseph had succeeded in bringing himself to a position of authority in Egypt until finally Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. The scripture tells us on that occasion that Joseph wept when he identified himself to his brothers. Well, now you remember that the entire family came to Egypt and lived there for 400 years. But not many years after their coming to Egypt, their father, Jacob, dies. And they, all the brothers, Joseph and the others, take him back to Canaan to bury him. After the funeral, the ten began to talk amongst themselves as to what possibly their plight might be. For as long as their father was alive, they felt fairly secure that Joseph isn't going to do anything to them. But now they're not so sure. And so as they discuss it, they send one of them, and we're not told which one, as a messenger to Joseph. And you will find that conversation beginning there in verse 17. And they reminded Joseph through the messenger that their father, Jacob, had asked Joseph, while Jacob was still alive, had asked Joseph to forgive his brothers. But they're not sure that that's going to be enough. And so they, through the messenger, say in the latter portion of verse 17 that they also beg forgiveness of the trespasses, but they don't use the phrase of your brothers. They say, would you please forgive us the servants of the God of your father. Verse 
Verse 18 says that they got down before Joseph on their face. The very thing that Joseph had reminded them when he was a young lad that they would do because he interpreted the dream that he had had. They sought forgiveness. I want us to look at both the brothers and then at Joseph this morning. First of all, here are a group of ten boys who have in fact wronged their brother. You can't get much worse than that. They intended to kill him and then they chickened out and simply sold him and thought that's the end of him, never expecting to see him again. He would die in obscurity somewhere in a foreign country. He's gone, never to be heard of again. And good riddance, we've gotten a scoundrel out of our hair. And now they must come to this very same person and get down on their knees and beg for forgiveness. So the hardest words that have to ever be said, the words, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I have sinned. It's those very words that are necessary that keeps lots of people from ever accepting Jesus Christ. Because there is a need for the confession, the admittance of sin. Second unto it is the same problem of asking each other for this same forgiveness. When one does another wrong, there is that burning, agonizing pain that eats at him year after year after year until he finally comes to a place in his life that he can no longer tolerate the agony that he has caused himself, and then finally he will go to his brother, sister, mother, father, friend, neighbor, or enemy, and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It takes a big person to take that step. You remember the story of the prodigal that Jesus gave us? How the young man thought that he deserved all that was to come to him in his father's inheritance, but he ought to have it early. He took it and went into a foreign country and there wasted it all. And finally the scripture says that he came to himself and he came back to his father, much like these boys came back to their brother on his hands and knees and said, Father, I have sinned. Against heaven and against you. And I want your forgiveness. Jesus said, if you come to church and you get ready to make your offering, recognizing your devotion to God, but there you remember 
You have a brother whom you have wronged. He said, leave your offering there. Go out to that brother and first be reconciled and then come back and make the offering. Just recently in the paper, there was a story, and I've read many of them, about a merchant who received, I believe it was $400, if I recall right now, from some unidentified person, just mailed to him. Why did he get it? He didn't know, but somebody knew, because somebody somewhere, some years in the past, had done that man wrong, perhaps had stolen from him, perhaps had failed in some way to fulfill a financial obligation, and it had burdened him to the point that he could tolerate it no longer. And he needed to clear his conscience. He, he fell somewhat short in that he repaid the obligation, but never was willing to face-to-face -face make that restitution. There comes a point in your life and mine when we, like these brothers, have done wrong, that we must find our way to that person and face-to-face -face say, will you forgive me? But how about Joseph? What's his reaction? I don't know what he did years ago when they took him out of that pit and sold him to those merchants and sent him down to Egypt, he probably had some choice words to say. Our scripture doesn't say that he did anything belligerent or thought anything like it. And when his brothers came to him, our scripture says that he wept and he hugged them even though they had done him wrong, he was willing to take them into his arms and pull them to his bosom and caress them and love them and let the tears of compassion roll down his cheeks. In the early portion back in chapter 45 of Genesis where we have the story of their reunion in Egypt, we don't find anything in that particular episode that the brothers asked for forgiveness. But certainly the implication, the inference is there all through it that even though they had not sought forgiveness, Joseph had forgiven them anyway. Now they come to a time in their life when these brothers must ask Joseph to forgive them. And the scripture again says in verse 17 that Joseph wept as he spake to them. Why did he weep? Because he had compassion upon them. You know the agony that goes through your life when you're wrong and won't admit it? was the agony that was going through these boys' lives for years and years that was eating them alive and destroying them 
they could not be happy. For there was a brother that they had wronged. And what would his reaction be? They feared what he might do. For he had every right as second in command of Egypt to take them and put them in jail. He had every right to banish them from Egypt. He had every right to do anything under the law that could possibly be done, and yet he elected not to do it. I always think of that person in my background who had a beautiful lawn. And I like to sit on that lawn and just watch the world go by. But this lady would come out of her house and say, get off my grass. She had every right to put me off her grass because her grass was hers. But the destruction that she did to me unless she seeks forgiveness, is unforgivable. For what legal right we have does not follow through to be a moral right, or an obligation, or a privilege. What possible damage had I done to that grass? But it was hers, and she wanted me off it. These men had done Joseph wrong as I had done her grass wrong. Joseph could have thrown them into prison. He could have had them executed. But he didn't. He took them in his arms loved and hugged them and wept and said, I'm not in the place of God. I'll nourish you and your children. I'll take care of you. You know that verse 19 is an important verse, I think, when he says, don't fear, for am I in the place of God? One of the first things that we seem to want to do when somebody has done us wrong is to get back at them. You step on my grass, I'll step on your grass. You slap me, I'm going to slap you. You say something mean about me, I'm going to find something to say to mean about you. And so it goes, does it not? That one evil turn seems to, seems to deserve a return evil turn. But Joseph said, I'm not in the position to judge you for the evil that you have done. That's God's job. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's not up to you and me to be in the position of judging when somebody does wrong, even to me or to you. That's God's job. 
Let's stay out of the judgment business and let God take care of those who have sinned. And yes, doing evil to each other is a sin. Doing evil to each other is doing evil to God. Doing evil to each other is a sin against God. And God takes care of sin. Not you or me. Let God handle the problem. Joseph said, God meant what you did for good. Have you ever noticed that some of the tragedies of our lives bring some of the greatest blessings that we've ever had? Go back over your life and remember that tragedy, that terrible event, that situation that you thought you can't possibly stand it. You can't tolerate it. You don't understand it. And it tore you apart. Only to discover that because of that particular event, there was a turn of events in your life that turned you around and put you in a different place and now has brought a blessing to you that without that particular episode, you would never have been where you are to get what you got. Somebody might have meant it for evil, but God took it and made good out of it. So in those terms, I think we can say, thank God for those who do us evil. For God will make good out of it. And we'll get blessed as a result. I can think of nothing worse than the episode of the sin that the Jewish people did to Jesus when they crucified him and put him on the cross. But God took the worst episode if I might use the terms in his life, and turn them around that you and I got a blessing out of it. We're here this morning because of Jesus' tragic death on the cross. God took it and meant it for good. And a whole nation got blessed. Yes, a whole world got blessed. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? They, put, they suggested the number. They were expecting the Lord to say, yes, that's right, seven times. That's enough. Seven meaning that's complete, perfect. That's the term in the... Throughout the scripture, seven means that is, is a completeness or a perfect picture. And Jesus said, no, I say until 70 times seven. It doesn't take much of a mathematician to know that that is 490. The point is, 
If you are going to forgive that many times, you will have lost count long before you get to 490 and you will continue. I'm going to read some scripture in a moment that points that very thing out. Someone has said to err is human, to forgive is divine. We're all human and we err. We make mistakes. We say things to each other. We talk about each other. We do mean things. We do all the things that ought not to be done. And we can excuse ourselves, maybe, by saying we're just human. But listen, we're more than just human. We have Jesus Christ and his spirit within us, and that makes us divine. And forgiveness is divine. I found a little thing in Dear Abby. I read that quite frequently. I didn't know until I read this thing that there was a forgiveness week. Celebration of a week of forgiveness. Did you know there was such a week? I didn't either. And I failed to, it was early this spring sometime, uh, January. I don't remember what the week is. I'm going to find out, I think. But she comments that there is a forgiveness week. And in honor of Forgiveness Week, Robert Mueller, who is a former Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations, wrote a little statement. I want to read part, part of the statement to you that was printed in Dear Abby. It's entitled, Decide to Forgive. Listen to it. Decide to forgive, for resentment is negative. Resentment is poisonous. Resentment diminishes and devours the self. Be the first to forgive, to smile and to take the first step, and you will see happiness bloom on the face of your human brother or sister. But be always the first. Do not wait for others to forgive, for by forgiving you become the master of fate, the fashioner of life, the doer of miracles. To forgive is the highest, most beautiful form of love. In return, you will receive untold peace and happiness. Only the brave know how to forgive. A coward never forgives. I think that's good. I want to read a series of passages of Scripture to conclude the message. I'll tell you where they are. You'll not be able to find them quick enough to follow me. Listen to these from both the Old and New Testament. First of all, from Proverbs 24, 17. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Say not, I will do so to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Proverbs 25, 21. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, beginning there. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then going on down to other verses in the same chapter. Resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also, 
If any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. It hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Luke 17:3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Romans 12, 14. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then Colossians 3.13 Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. There comes a time in our lives that we either have done our brother wrong or our brother has done us wrong. And there is an obligation of spiritual love and concern on the part of either the one to seek forgiveness and the one to grant it. Sometimes it's even more difficult to grant forgiveness than it is to ask for it. Both are godly. Both are necessary. For one's own well-being, one needs to ask for forgiveness when he has done wrong, and one needs to grant it graciously as Joseph did when it's been when the forgiveness has been sought. Either way, it is divine to seek forgiveness and it's divine to ask, uh, to, to grant it. I want to suggest something this morning. I want to suggest that today, before you leave this congregation, if there is a single individual in this congregation that you have done wrong, 
intentionally or unintentionally, you seek out that person and you ask their forgiveness. I want to also suggest that if someone asks you for forgiveness, that you be gracious like Joseph and grant it with love and even with tears if that becomes you. I want to suggest before this week is over for people in your home, in this community, at work, wherever you might find them, with whom you have a difference, that you seek with all your heart to make reconciliation in order that God can continue to work through us to his glory. For without that attitude of seeking and granting forgiveness, there will be a dark cloud over this church, over your home, over you as a person, over this community, that will be just like the cloud that covered these brothers and Joseph for many years until finally they came together and one said to the other, on their knees, they said, will you forgive me? And Joseph, with tears in his eyes, put his arms around them and said, you're forgiven. I'll take care of you and your children. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.